what up everybody welcome back to looking up my name is max mccoy today's episode is a good one Uh, i'm joined by aaron alexander aaron just wrote a book called the align method movement principles for a stronger body sharper mind and a stress-proof life beyond that aaron uh is just i would say the top expert in the world i'm just gonna say it in the mind body connection there's no one putting together such a cohesive piece as to how the mind affects the body and how the body affects the mind as Aaron does. He's been studying this stuff for years and years. He's truly a a true pro. He is the host of the Align podcast, which is, I would say, almost 300 episodes deep. I've been a fan of this podcast for a long time. I've been a fan of Aaron's for a long time, man. Like, as someone who's been myself, I've been such a student to the mind-body connection and how it can help my life, especially my psychology and all the things that you guys know are very important to me. Aaron has been at the forefront of providing people like myself with valuable information on how we can better align our bodies and our minds just for a more happy, cohesive, and natural uh, life and expression. But this episode's especially trippy for me. It's the only word I have because I was a big fan of Aaron's for a while. And then I had the opportunity to begin working with him in some capacities and And to sit down and record a podcast with Aaron Alexander was a very surreal moment for me because he was one of those podcasts that I would listen to and kind of put on this pedestal as like, I can't wait to be at that level someday. Uh, Not saying I'm there, but just to be able to sit down and have a conversation with, with Aaron was a very special moment for me. This conversation was about a month ago, um, and so I'm just releasing it now, and why this is extra trippy is because me and Aaron, amongst some other amazing humans, have been in Hawaii for this last week. So I have literally been spending uh, (laughs) a week in Hawaii doing some work with Aaron and uh, some other amazing humans, and so this has been a very, very surreal, transformative period in my life. and to be releasing this episode that I did with Aaron about a month ago uh, just fits too perfectly. And the schedule timed out to it happened to be that I'm recording this intro in Hawaii with Aaron Alexander across the hall from me. So <laughs> uh, that's just a little backstory on why I'm getting sentimental with this episode. But truly, I think you guys will have a lot of value to take from this episode. Aaron is a true expert in mind-body connection. We talk about anxiousness. We talk about depressive patterns, how the body can help you uh, get out of those things. And we talk about a lot more. I'm going to shut up. I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as I did. Aaron Alexander, he's an author. Um, And then at the end of this episode, we actually do a little video shoot. So uh, the video shoot is valuable because we're talking about valuable things as we do it. But uh, a little sneak peek action for you guys as I helped Aaron uh, develop some some video ads for his book. So I hope you guys enjoy. We basically talk about the synopsis of Aaron's book, The Align Method, coming out mid-December. Hope you guys like this episode. Enjoy. When you had your first uh, live podcast, mm. how was that process, getting ready for that? Was that just nerves and nerves and nerves? Yeah. Yeah. So I tried tried doing like meditation things. So something that I've I've done previously was more focused on like exercise and fit and like get my body moving and all that stuff beforehand, like loosen myself up. Um, and then I've also tried meditation beforehand. And what I've, something that's been surprising is when you're doing something that's nerve wracking, you already have so many nerves, Yeah. you know? So I think the worst thing that I can personally do before doing something like any kind of like public speaking or something like that, my mouth gets all dry, I get all anxious. It's a terrible experience. Um, 
so I go more towards the opposite direction of like chamomile tea and breath work and meditation and things to just focus on calming, emphasizing long out breaths, activating more that parasympathetic side of the nervous system. Um, I'll even do like breath holds and such. Um, but yeah, I get nervous AF for all sorts of things. I really give a shit about what people think. I got to work on that. And you don't come off as someone who gives a shit what people think, but you have a line in the book that says, uh, you can't, people think it's impossible to be anxious and present at the same time. Mm. Do you think that's true? Because I yeah. can, I feel like I, I can, I can come back to the present, but I still have that underlying physical sensation of anxiety sometimes yeah especially pre-podcast podcast it takes me time to ease into it get to know the guest and like let myself settle into the moment yeah i think if you are truly a really simple tool that people can use for that is uh just pay attention to sensation for example like your your mind only has so much bandwidth Mm -hmm. you know so if you're actively anxious or freaking out it means you've probably delegated a large percentage of your bandwidth to shitting your pants. Mm. And so if you can start to kind of disperse that bandwidth out to noticing, you know, right now we're outside, so we can notice the uh, air on our skin. We can notice kind of like the bells in the distance, like the chimes hanging up. Uh, Notice the quality of the rug underneath. Mm. Uh, Notice our breath. You know, so we can always come back. Uh, another example is come back and just notice what's what's the the style of breathing that you're doing. For the most part, if you are anxious and nervous, almost guarantee your breath is going to be higher up in your chest. Um, you know, so something you can play with. People can do it right now. Is just bring your hands on the sides of your ribs in the lower area, right around where the diaphragm wraps around, and emphasize first breathing through the nose, constricting that breath a little bit, and then uh, you can take a breath in for four seconds. We mentioned this in the book. Two, three, four, and then you can hold for four seconds. Two three, four, and then out for six seconds. So that's four, three, two, one, and then hold for four seconds. And then repeat that. You repeat that, you know, five, six times. There's been all sorts of interesting research of the physiological effect of just augmenting your breath like that Mm. really subtly. It can literally change your whole physiological makeup in a matter of, you know, less than a minute. And we always have control to come back to our breath. In the book, you have so many anthropology-like references. What is it, before we dive deeper into the book, what is it about anxiousness that you think, why do we have this? Why do we get so anxious for, especially the good things for me? It's like all the good things I get nervous for. Or what I pray for, what I ask for, it comes and I'm like, ooh, I'm yeah. I think we're anxious. I think it's beautiful that we're anxious. You know, I think it's if you're anxious, it's probably an indication that you really care. Um, yeah. I think it's great. You know, if you're not anxious every now and again, you're probably not putting yourself in situations that are worthy of getting your nerves up, which means you're probably living a excessively safe life. Or maybe you have like a reduced amygdala like like uh, Alex Honnold, <laughs> you know, mm. where he's probably cultivated that. Mm. You know, but his brain went under, um, I believe it was EEGs, EKG, EEG, I think it would be the thing. Um, and they're like, oh, wow, your amygdala is like really super not active. He's cultivated that, and it's also probably something that's been a little bit of like a, a gift of sorts. Would you consider him? yourself a, a natural anxious person, your natural tendency, your bottom line, and then everything you do is kind of helping you raise your bottom line? Because that's how I feel. I feel like I'm no. I'm a little more cool, calm, and collected than most people I know in certain settings, but then I think it's because I'm overcompensating for a bottom line level of like, 
I can easily fall into anxiousness. Yeah, no, I don't feel anxious. So actually, anxious is one of, in in the the book, the Align yeah. Method. I have um, five postural archetypes that you that you read about, um, and one of them is the anxious postural archetype. Um, the other one is, uh, well, there's a bunch, but mopey is another one. So a person's kind of like tell me about the archetypes. Yeah, so so mopey would be. Uh, a person that's their shoulders are rolled forward and their spine's kind of hyperkyphotic and their head's in that forward head posture and their knees are collapsed in kind of valgusly. It's just like once you have collapsed at any level in the body, you've collapsed at every level in the body. In the body. You know, it creates this, this connection all the way through. Um, and what's interesting with that is there's been all sorts of fascinating research that shows that our postural positions affects the way that we think, affects the way that we feel. It's argumented. It arguably could be associated to our our hormonal panel, so affecting cortisol levels and and uh, testosterone. It's people are kind of going back and forth whether that's accurate or not. But what there's not any debate about is that the way that you stand and the way that you move affects the way that you think and the way that you feel and the way that you perceive yourself and the way that other people perceive you. You So if you can start to tap into that awareness, then you can really take control of your destiny, I think. Um, You know, every moment you're always sending messages out into the world. You know, your body's like a little antenna, essentially. You know, so imagine, you know, you're at your, your house and it's, imagine it's like 1970. I don't know if anybody's alive during that time listening to this, but, um, nor was I, uh, but you imagine like the, the, the ears on the, on the top of the TV, you know, and then you like grandpa gets the fork out and like duct tapes the fork <laughs> to try and catch a signal. That's essentially your body. You know, so when you're moving around the world and you're expressing your body language, you're like grandpa adjusting the fork on the top of that TV to try mm-hmm. and get the signal right. When the signal's correct, all of a sudden women find you attractive and, you know, men find you successful or, you know, fill in the blank thing. Like whatever it is you're looking for. Access to ideas. Access to ideas. It changes your memories. There's an interest, as I mentioned, that that in the book as well. There's a research from San Francisco University that uh, they had two groups of students. One group was hunched over in a position, uh, what I would call the mopey archetype. And the other person is in an upright position, what I would call the aligned archetype. And when they're in those positions, what they found was mopey archetype was more easy. It was more easy for them to access more depressive memories. And when they're in the aligned position, uh, I'm putting that language on top of it. They just called it whatever, upright. Um, it was easier for them to access more uplifting memories. Mm. You know, so you've been tuning this physical structure of yours since, you know, for millennia. And when you have, you know, you, you hunt the woolly mammoth and you're standing on top of it and you're successful and you're with your tribe and you persisted, hunted that thing for the last several days and you finally did it. Ah, you, like, you get up and you open your chest up. You're like, we did it. You know, or there's I'm being attacked by the jaguar and I'm in defense mode and I'm hunched over and I'm protecting. And now all of a sudden all my cortisol levels and all my stress hormones are threw up because I need to fight, in our, fight flight, or mm. potentially you know, immobilize myself and freeze up and play dead. I love that you talk about the phone too and how that can concave us. And literally if you were to remove the phone, everybody's in this depressive state all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's an f- interesting photographer. I don't, I don't remember his name, but he. Uh, did you see that? The, the yeah, photographer guy. Yeah, that too. Yeah, it's, it's be- that's one of the most beautiful little, like pieces of photography I've seen in a it's long time. It's very cool. Yeah. Yeah. So you s- you see that, and, and so depression is the number one leading cause of disability worldwide. And if you look around the world, people are. We were just came back from the interview with Chuck Liddell. No big deal. And um, he, we were noticing people on the street that were um, looking at their phone. It's like, it's like ubiquitous. You know, you walk down the street, right now if you're listening to this, 
look around if you're outside, there's probably a good chance that three out of four people, maybe two out of three people that you look at oh, are at staring at their phone right at now. At least. You know, yeah. that's like, that's some brand new stuff. What also is some brand new stuff is for depression to be the leading cause of disability worldwide. Hmm. You know, so mechanically, our bodies are going into more of this like mopey, mopey archetypal position. Yeah. And then uh, hormonally and physiologically are, and you know, f- thoughts and feelings are also in tandem going in a similar direction. Um, is there a link there? Like, I think absolutely. But it's, you know, it's still up for debate, I guess. I would love to hear you put in your words of what the state of, you kind of just did it there, but maybe you want to, like, what is the state of the union as to how people's bodies and minds kind of operate right now? And what is, like, the delivery mechanism in which you're trying to, what are you trying to achieve with this book? Like, Sim- so teaching people that you're all, so in the in the beginning of the I don't know if you read the introduction the way that we had revised it, but in the beginning, I start with an analogy of if you if you hit a golf ball and it's slightly the club face is slightly askew, like a, a, a skew, a skew, a centimeter, um, right off of the bat, it's not going to look like much of a change, you know. But then that golf ball gets out thirty yards, fifty yards, eighty yards. Out, you're just like, oh shit, that is shanking. Mm. You know, that's like way, way off because the spin finally caught up with it. And you're like, oh, uh, you know, and that's our bodies. That's our that's our minds. That's our career success. That's our relationship success. You know, so every moment you have an opportunity to augment the, the, the directionality of that golf club. Uh, for example, like what we're doing right now, we're, we're sitting on the ground as we're doing this. You know, so at the end of this, even if this conversation comes out, you know, a total flop and I wasn't I didn't provide you any value. You know, and it was like, ah, oh, man, it's you know, fine. Aaron was, you know, I think he was drunk or tired <laughs> or something. Uh, well, we mobilized our hips. Mm. You know, and we you're stretching out your hamstrings right now, and you're stacking your spine up, and you're working on your breath, and you're noticing things, so you're mm. starting to kind of rewire yourself to be more present. Mm. So at the end of it, it's like, who fucking cares about Aaron? Like, I, I got my, I got my, my, definitely my, my more physical diff- situation sorted out for 45 minutes. It was great. So yeah. we can do that all day long. And if you're not, if you're missing that while you're at work, um, I think without a doubt, your club face is a little bit askew. And uh, at some point, in some form, your health will be the most important thing for you. Um, and whether you notice it now or not, at some point, your health, without a doubt, will be the thing that you care about the most. Yeah, so we can start sooner than later, essentially what the book represents. And it gives you a whole plethora of options on how we can start to instill really subtle adjustments into our life to make huge change over time. The healthy man, I've, I like this quote, that the healthy man can have a thousand wishes and the unhealthy man can only have one. Mm, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the the skewing off is like these small things that we do every day that we view as minuscule can kind of over time over over velocity over distance yep. can just cause incredible damage that's right i love your quote about uh in the book sitting once you become aware of how good ground living can be and, and getting out of a chair and moving your body it's going to be very uncomfortable to try to go back Yeah, you won't go back yeah. Yeah. So what what do we do for like normal people though it's like when i try to tell people about this like uh, you know, chairs are bad for these reasons. They understand, like, oh yeah, I have really tight hips. I have lower back you issues. I have ankle issues. Yeah, your environment needs to change. So, so you at your house for for most people, the idea of spending time in the ground probably 
denotes like okay i'm gonna like get my pants dirty and i'm gonna be on a hardwood floor or tile and it's gonna be like that sounds really you know uncomfortable yeah just don't make it uncomfortable get really comfortable rugs and get floor cushions and moroccan poofs and make it fun yeah you know make it be a very inviting place to be at Mm -hmm. and that's i mean that's that's the key uh if your environment is shaped in such a way that you know you walk in and all you have is like an easy boy recliner and then a coffee table and then um, a tv to look at then that's what your whole when you come in what would your options be yeah your only options are sitting in that kind of like sad shrimp position in the sofa you know and then you kind of put your feet up and then you stare into the screen just like we've been probably staring at the screen for the last you know 15 hours throughout the rest of the day you know so what we could do to subtly change that would make the ground comfortable Uh, we could make your office environment close to a window so Mm. you can look out in the distance so you can exercise your your visual muscles you know so all that there's a the last section it's called moving your senses and it gets into how our senses are tied into our physiology they're tied into our again our thoughts our feelings our biological makeup Mm. you know so while you're at work if you can just make a subtle shift of being able to spend more time exercising your eye muscles, the ciliary muscles, allowing them to contract and expand and go back and forth through that full range of motion, just like you'd want with your biceps or your quads or whatever, like your eye muscles are the same thing. Mm. You know, so when you're looking out into the distance, it literally calms your nervous system. So we're talking about you saying like, oh, I think my baseline's a little bit more anxious. More horizon time would be really valuable for you. It really is, more yeah. blurring your vision time would be really valuable for you. Mm you might veer more towards uh, coffee and focus, you know, because that's where that's where your nervous system leans. So you want to stay where you're comfortable. Yeah. Um, whereas some new agey patch pant cat person, they might be more inclined to be like, man, I love just like blurring the lines and looking at <laughs> the horizon, you know? And they're like, yeah, but you need coffee and focus, dog. Like you need yeah. to get down there. Yeah. You know, so we veer towards our strengths and then they just become eventually like mutations. Mm. You know, so mixing that up a little bit, you can you can start to augment your environment subtly to literally have large scale physiological impact in the in the moment, but also in the in the long term. How else do you? How do you manage your environment? What are some of the subtle things that you do? We're we're at your place right yeah, you're now. Yeah, you're at my house. Yeah, and so it's fairly fairly unique. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I, I love a, it. The I first time I came here, I felt like ah, like this is. This oh, cool! Like my shoulders dropped. Oh, that's great. Yeah, and oh, when I come cool. here, I swing your kettlebell, and I'm I'm rubbing out my muscles. Yeah, with so your... I keep stuff like that around. You yeah. know, I have a ladder that goes up to the roof. You know, so that in and of itself, like climbing a ladder, that would probably be too dangerous to a lot of people in North America. Mm. You know, imagine like you could just you could fall. Yeah. Like, it'd be crazy. <laughs> you know, we're yeah. sitting in front of my sauna. We got a cold plunge on my porch, so it just haunts me and stares at me. Um, I have a low table in the kitchen, so I sit around that, and my my dinner table is like either on cushions. I usually just sit on my foam roller, mm. um, and I have a pull up bar in my doorway, my mm. bedroom. So every time I walk through, I'll hang a little bit. That's one of the chapters in the in the book, is uh, the value of hanging each day. Mm. You know, so simply just spending a minute and a half of hanging each day literally change the whole shape of your shoulder girdle, elongate your spine, help with stress. Um, yeah, all sorts of stuff, man. I think having incorporating like a like a chalkboard or a marker board or something that you can write ideas and such on. Mm. You know, so I just painted half of my wall, uh, or I had somebody else paint it rather, but have uh, half of my wall this marker board, so that 
anytime I have some weird stony idea, I can just like, like put it on the wall, hmm. you know, and then I can look at it and I can rehearse it. Like out here, there's two different marker boards here with just like ideas that I find interesting. So I'd like to be able to see them regularly. And once hmm. I feel like they're imprinted, then I'll delete them and put something else. I on like there. that. Cause I always put them locked away in a journal and then yeah, I have well, to go sort through them and look yeah, for them like and they're almost secret, put away forever. Yeah. They're like a secret lover or something. Hmm. Like put them out. <laughs> yeah. That, Make love smart. to them. That's smart. Yeah. You say in the book, one of my favorite quotes is, um, we're standing on a whale hunting for mm. for minnows. Yeah, Dude, we're fishing for minnows. That is such a good quote, and I want, I'm want i not Campbell. even going to try to, yeah, Joseph Campbell, I'm not even going to try to dissect what you think it means. Mm. I'd love to hear what you think. We're oh, all, that's wh- great. What is the whale, what are the minnows that we're, we're dealing with? Yeah, so we're standing on a whale fishing for minnows, is a quote from Joseph Campbell, and what you see fairly ubiquitously throughout Western culture is the sales of various different supplements and strange workout apparatus um, when underneath that what or anti-anxiety medications or antidepressant medication or weight loss pills or boner pills or you know there's all these things it's like all of that is minnows those are all just we're, we're, mm. we're looking more of like allopathic model we're looking at the source you know, we're seeing a, a pimple pop up and we're like, okay, we got to attack the pimple, mm. you know, but underlying that is, okay, well, what, what caused that, that pimple? Well, maybe it's that food that I had three days ago or six weeks ago, or maybe it's the, the humidity of the place that I'm in or the environment or the pollution, or maybe it's the deodorants that I put in my armpit, or maybe it's the perfumes that I put in my skin that my, my pores are continually seeping, breathing all that in. So there's so many other impacts there's so many other other causes that are affecting that pimple, but most of us just think very site specific and go after the pimple and try to get the medication or get the workout thing to get abs. Um, the whale in that would be the way that you inhabit yourself on a physical level. You know, so throughout the day, the workout apparatus, you driving your body into a gym to sit on some like pec machine and tricep machine. Um, Instead of nothing against that, sit on the pec machine and try to do like do whatever you want. Um, but I think it would be wise for you to pay attention to the position that your body was in while you're in your car. It'd be wise for you to pay attention to the mechanics of your movement uh, while you're walking, the mechanics of your breath. Uh, notice your vision. You know, so as you're walking, are you looking? Are you actively looking out into the distance and paying attention to maybe a little bit of longer exhalation? You know, if you're doing that, then, oh, wow, wow I'm, I'm literally just like fizzling stress out of my body. Mm. If you're not doing that, then you'd probably more likely than not be, you know, seeking out some type of substance or supplement or something to, to do that thing that your body naturally does. So the whale is tapping into your own indigenous capacity to change yourself. And where did you come from to get to this point? Like, were you in that concaved? Were you in that? I think you've talked about it. You were in that strong man suit. What yeah. W- what was the just super what were the kind of some of the minnows you were hunting and muscles? Yeah. I wanted muscles. Yeah, like so many people, especially young males. Yeah. 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 I was obsessed. I would every you know two hours on the two hours you know minimum I would have some type of artificial bullshit protein bar smoothie nonsense just creatine glued like all like any type of acronym or sub like just whatever it was i just wanted to get it in and i wanted to get as big and swollen as i possibly could could be one of the postural archetypes called the swole archetype um you know so that's where i came from was compensating 
with fitness and compensating with muscles where underneath was a, um, I think just like a scared boy, hmm. you know, and, and instead of leaning into that and unwinding that from more of like the whale level, like the internal level and going deeper with it, um, I just packed on insulation as a means of protection, hmm. you know, and so with time you can do that. It's effective on a short term because people applaud it. Um, and so it gives you like a, sh a short-term sense of, of satisfaction and validation. Um, but underlying that, at some point, you're going to have to unwind it. And, you know, the, the deeper you create those layers of imbalance on top of a root level of some form of, of, of imbalance, um, it just gets more of a pain in the ass to unwind all those layers. How do we start to unwind them? Um, I you think start with the body? I think can you start with the body? Yeah, you. I think that yeah, you can start with the body. Or you can start. So, so the the body and the mind are two ends of the same rope, is the way I describe in the book. You know, and so you can affect your thoughts, and that will trickle into the way that you hold yourself. I mean, you could play with that now and just think back into something that made you feel immensely sad. Hmm. You know, and like really be there, like method act that shit. And what you'll notice is your spine will start to come down a little bit and, you know, maybe your shoulders roll forward a little. You literally go into the mopey archetype, mm. you know, and the same thing can happen if you think about something beautiful or you see a, you know, a puppy being born or something, whatever makes you happy. I don't know. Um, it'll be like, oh, you know, you, oh. you know, so all that stuff changes you. Um and the same thing can happen to the body. So the environment that we live in is such that the car seat rolls us into that position. You know, your dinner table, your hunch over that, your office, your, the bus, the plane, all that puts you into that position. Um, and then it feeds back into the way that we move and express ourselves or, or don't express ourselves. Um, technically, you're always expressing yourself. Um, it's just the way that you express. Most of us, our expression is limited because our lack of... Um, range of motion and and uh, I would say sensuality in our body. It sounds a little mm. fruity, mm. Um, but I think that that we can tap into greater layers, greater realms of internal connection um, through embracing our various senses, including touch and movement. You know, so that was a long, long roundabout way of not really answering anything. I don't think, but I think both of those automatically affect each other it's two ends of the same rope is that kind of the north star with all this like for me it's easy to go into the sit on the floor more often so that my hips don't get screwed up or don't stare at the phone so much so i don't become an anxious short-term sighted person um you know get outside more so that, like you said i can relax i have a lot of these things that they're becoming like don't do this so that this doesn't happen but i love to frame it in a way that makes it more positive and like the north star so what it, why am I sitting on the floor? Why am I avoiding screen? Why am I getting more touch? Why am I doing all these things? What is the, where's all the gold? Where, where's the yeah. aligned, per, where's the aligned person thrive? What is that? I'm all about happiness and psychology and all that stuff. That's, that's really what drives everything that I do is what will make me happier. Yeah. So I think being adaptable makes a person happier, you why? know, and feeling ongoing progress and mm -hmm. progression makes a person feel happier. You know, so the ability to, if you, you know, Kelly Starr, he did the, the forward for the book. He, he says, uh, you know, a leopard, his book's a supple leopard, becoming a supple leopard. You know, they don't need to do dynamic hamstring, fly, thruster, warm-up, whatever thing in order to, like, go for a run. 
you know, like humans are, are special in that, that we have these long, laborious mm. warm-ups mm. um, because our day is structured so that it's like it's totally taking us out of balance. Um, so in order to get into the mode of, okay, I'm going to do fitness, there's this whole like chapter change transition thing. And so the structure of the book is such that, no, your whole entire life is that. Like you are more leopard-like by checking your emails while you're sitting on a, you know, a cushion on the ground. And so I call them postural. Uh, I got this actually from a guy called Philip Beach, uh, Muscles and Meridians. Um, but um, what is it? Archetypal. Keep going. I check the quarter. Yeah. He calls them archetypal positions of repose. You know, so when we're sitting down on the ground, uh, those are opportunities. Like it's like another side of a coin. You know, so there's the, the one side of the coin is the sitting upright and you are active and moving. And then the other side of the coin would be your, your rest positions. And so when you're in those rest positions, um, those are all opportunities to be mobilizing your hips, to be mobilizing your ankles, to be mobilizing your knees, to be circulating lymphatic fluid from your lower body, to be moving blood, to be coordinating your neurological function by going through full range of motion in your body. Um, instead, we kind of, we're very savvy with the, the active side of the coin, you know, the rock on the cover of Muscle and Fitness, you know, just blah, like full like muscles, like, wow, that's amazing, I love that. But what's not talked about so much is the rock, I'm sure, has a pretty robust rest practice. Mm. You know, in order for that to happen, it's like it's pretty hard not. You know, so what we focus more on because it's what we see because it's sexier. It will do better on an Instagram post. It'll get it'll get more likes um, and shares and all that stuff. Is you looking jacked and active and awesome? It's rare for us, our Western eyes, to see somebody passively working on, you know whatever just laying on the floor in a position that passively mobilizes their hips mm. or you know opens up their qls or opens up their ribs so they can get full breath of their diaphragm mm. it's cool to see the patterns with my own life since i've been around you and surrounded by you i would i would fall into the category of being a normal quote-unquote normal but not natural person where i'm hunched and then i would have this long work day and i would feel the need to just absolutely exhaust myself in the gym because i was like i'm so cooped up i need to go take as deep as i went down this rabbit hole i'm gonna go down this rabbit hole and yeah. so i'm feeding both sides in a negative way and now being around you i've been feeling as i've been just like hearing you in my ears that's the benefit of being around positive people mm. is cool. i'm integrating more open hip stuff and i went on a run yesterday at the beach and i didn't really have to warm up because i was i've been doing these things and it's cool to see how pain levels have been going down i'm not my workouts are way less intense yep. because I've been trying to kind of just make my life a, a constant little flow. Yeah, have it consistent. There's a, a woman called Joan Bernicos that I mentioned in the book as well. Uh, she's the director of health sciences at NASA for the last like 40 years. I'm not sure if she's still working with him now, actually. Um, she wrote several books like Movement, it's Sitting Kills, Movement Heal. She wrote a few, few different books. And she's studied astronauts and the impact that space had on their bodies. And what she found was the astronauts that would do s large amounts of exercise, like backload or front load the exercise into one little package um, in the beginning of the day, middle, whenever, um, they would go through this essentially like rapid aging process compared to the astronauts that would have little micro movements throughout the whole day. Mm. You know, so like fidgeting and wiggling around and you know, the stuff that you naturally do when you're sitting on the ground, 
um, it's immensely valuable for the body, you know? And so we, the human body has come from the roots of being on the ground since the beginning of forever. Um, and naturally you would get, you know, these little fidgets back and forth. And then whenever you need to get up to grab something, um, you'd go all the way up to the full range of motion and all the way back down. And then all of a sudden chair sitting became more of like an indication of, uh, wealth and, uh, the disease of affluence. Affluenza is what I've heard it called before. Uh, where you start to outsource all that precious movement function, and then mm -hmm. your body at a cellular level starts to fall apart mm -hmm. because it demands that adaptation. It's called mechanotransduction, when your cells are getting twist and turn, left, right, up, down, in, out. And that process is actually very healing for the cells. It all requires a bit of willingness to be a little of uh, what everybody else is now going to call you a bit of a weirdo. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. if I see people I haven't seen in a while, I just get the, the hippie thing slapped on me right away because I'm like, hey, maybe we should all sit on the floor. And they laugh or, you know, let's put our phones away. It's all this progressiveness. This sense yeah. of being progressive now uh, is associated with being like natural and what's healthy for the human. It's just it kind of is frustrating how it's skewed so far from you know, natural. You don't want to be have like a spiritual ego about it. Not that you do. No. Um, you know, like Martin Luther King had a quote about if you have an underlying layer of contempt for a person, then hmm. you know, a debate or conversation just isn't possible. It's They're going to sense that. It's more so like if I love you and I see you have hip and back pain that you complain all the time with and we spend time together, I'm going to try to get you the things right. that I learn. But, but the better way to do it is just to do your thing. Yeah, that's you know, true. So I do have the sense I always try to put my shit on other people. Yeah, because you that. naturally think that what you are doing is uh, more correct. Hmm. Um, or that, and yeah. for you in that moment, it is, and everybody's just on their own trip. That's true. You know, if someone's addicted to alcohol or something like that, it would be easy for you to be bummed out mm. and be like, oh, man, you're killing your liver and you're messing your oh, family that's, up. That's wise. You're, you know, you're, all, you're doing all this stuff. It's like, well, Perhaps that just pushes them deeper into that feeling of isolation and separation. And what would have been of even greater value for them would have been complete radical acceptance. Mm. You know, and like, okay, like, well, let me be with you while you drink. Yeah. You know, let me like love you entirely in a mm. way that maybe you've never actually experienced mm. before in your life. Yeah. You know, and then all of a sudden that might be like, whoa, that's a different thing. You know, in the case of being some radical progressive yeah. person that spends time sitting on the ground, um, just do that. You know, and don't have any interest in, I think a wise thing, especially in the age that we live in, where everybody wants to be their own brand and they want to, you know, have something meaningful to, to say and do, and they want to be an influencer. I live in LA, so we live in LA, so that's, you know, uh, more common here and maybe other places it's less. Um, you know, they feel obligated to have something meaningful to offer before they've actually really gathered anything in their cup hmm. to pour you know and so i think that something that's relevant is and we always have something like a baby has more to offer than probably any person so we always have something to offer um but i think a, a, a wise thing is to not offer advice unless asked hmm. you know so if you are just crushing your shit so much that people are like god damn i just like what are you doing hmm. like you look great like your hips are mobile like you're happy like you're always so like wow like they, like what is, what's the secrets what's going on that's a, a really beautiful indication that it's time to speak you know but Fuck. if <laughs> but if but if it's not that then nobody cares that much do your own thing yeah. stay in your lane yeah
Dude, I am. I have. Uh, I think I got it from my dad. He did this to me, and I fucking hated it. He would coach me up on every aspect of my life. And now that I'm older, I love sucking in information. So I just. I think I assume everybody else does too. Yeah. So when I no, hear, they don't. When I hear a fact about how something can improve my life, I'm like, fuck yeah, thank you. Yeah. Now I go about, hey, you want to know what would help that pain that you have? Like this. And you probably they didn't ask. Yeah, and under and that, might, under that, you're probably just looking for to create rapport connection or provide value for that person as a means of uh, maybe that's my means of giving love yeah that's your yeah that's like your your like love language in a way no but that that hit home i gotta wait for people to ask for advice sometimes yeah yeah who cares who cares about giving people advice or two (laughs) like who fucking cares when was it when did it become easier for you to be different and uh not normal and and i love keeping continuing to say like normal isn't natural so when you started fully saying i'm gonna do what's best for me i'm gonna align i'm gonna stack mind body all that i'm still normal in a lot of ways no, if you that, are. Being, that being like a like a der- if that's like a derogatory term i think i still have a lot of normalcy in the sense mm. that i'm addicted to my cell phone I'm, i think i'm addicted to um love or connection or validation for, yeah. through other yeah um i think that i am but one thing i admire a lot about you is your ability to be yourself for the healthier and the betterment of you. Mm. And that's something I look and I'll say, I can be more like that. I can not have to vanilla myself so much in the points of myself that I believe in Yeah. for the sake of the others around me. When did that kind of start to kick in? Well, it's convenient that the world that I presently occupy is such that it's, uh, I'm applauded for being more honest and being more vulnerable. Um, whereas a lot, there's a lot of other places in the world that being honest and vulnerable where you're at will like literally get you killed or imprisoned or, you know, defriended. You know, if I'm a vegan, I mean, this is, I'm going more into like a comical route, but if I'm yeah, a vegan are. and my whole, all of my friends, they, their whole, like our value system is based around saving the world through not eating cows. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh man, like, you know, my functional medicine doctor said I, I, like, bone broth is going to like save my life or I really need to start eating shellfish. Um, you have, you run the potential of your primary friend group, like dropping you entirely. Um, so thankfully the group that I've kind of like wiggled myself into, um, the more honest that I can be, the, uh, the, the more connection and, uh, you know, validation and all that stuff that I actually end up getting conveniently. But I, I moved myself into that, I think, just by being honest in the first place, I think. Mm. I think that's the thing. Like, if you are honest, what you do is you, um, the people that aren't on your team will naturally drop away. Mm. And Preach. if you're dishonest, then you keep people that are actually kind of almost keeping you imprisoned in a way. Um, you, you maintain that. And so we're always afraid of changing shells, you know, so like a snail, like the transition out from one shell to another shell, even if the shell that you're presently in is, is completely suffocating you, you know, so that transition out from like, okay, you know what, I'm going to start being more honest with myself and more expressive. And this is how I'm feeling about this relationship or just whatever it is, you know, um, at first, it'll be painful, and you'll have to leave that shell of the community that you live in, perhaps, at least maybe like one by one, like one person will drop off or something like that. But then that what that does, it creates space for new, more appropriately fitting shell parts to come in and, and surround you and protect you. 
Yeah, so I think it's like a it's a it's a super scary transition. There's like a purgatory between um, being who you thought you were and then being more honest with who you may be, um, and then eventually you get rewrapped with the new people that kind of accept you where you're at there. And then there will be another transition where that will ha- probably happen again. Mm. And then there'll be another one where that probably happen again. Yeah. Um, it's like a life and then and you'll death eventually die. And then you'll, whatever you'll get anything? reincarnated or go to some place in the sky or anything to make those go dark in between times, uh, purgatory, as you said, I'm slightly in that and uh, a lot of changes Good for you. And I've That's ev- brave and That's I've good shit. And I've even tried to use that. I, I've even told myself the same thing. I'm I'm moving shells. I f- like you've used that metaphor before, and I can view. I can literally feel myself like trying to fill a new shell, and it doesn't feel right yet, and it yeah. feels too big. And I'm still trying to expand. Yeah. How do you uh, in those moments find meaning? We're gonna. We got like six more minutes at most. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's interesting, man. I think that I'm kind of in a purgatory too. Is there or? Is it more of a surrendering to this is a hard time and allowing it to be what it is and not judge it too much, like radical acceptance, like you said? Yeah. I mean, that's something that I, I got to learn in Vipassana meditation that that was cool. Was um, And there's, I mean, there's lots of other places you can learn this, but that's just where, where it was became very evident for me. Yeah. Um, was to not get overly attached to anything that you deem positive or negative because there's yeah. no such thing. It's so, all just, it's all so just things. Yeah. yeah. You know, so if something feels good, you know, like... You know, I got a blowjob. Like, woo, I did it. You're like, oh, wow, I've been abstinent, not by choice, for six months. Like, ah. You know, it's like there's no, both of those are just as as likely. I mean, those are just kind of like silly examples. I felt like just being vulgar for a second. Um, You know, but anything, if you're overly attached, the same thing like money. Money is a very obvious example. You know, so if you're attached to, or say the stock market, where you have no control of it. Uh, and you're attached to checking out the, the, the value of your home, and the home can be a metaphor for anything. And you look at that each day and you say, wow, man, it went up $14,000. This is great. What a good day. You know, so that's a good sensation. You get juiced up with the dopamine, the serotonin, and you throw some oxytocin in there. You're like, man, like, whoo, today. You know, and the next day, oh, fudge, it dropped $60,000. Oh. You know, so you're just like completely at the whim of this market that you have no control over at all. Um, so within that, essentially, you're just like living inside of a, a slot machine. Hmm. You know, some days it's good, some days it's bad, but you're just getting ping-ponged around. And the so easiest th- metaphor to bridge that to is, I'd say, Instagram. So continue. Certainly. Just for anybody listening. Yeah, all that. Yeah, we it's all, all kind of do stuff. that with Instagram or with whatever we're deeming our success as. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Instagram, that just preys on that that part of human psychology does a really good job of it um it also preys on the it's called the zygarnik effect like our our craving to to finish um unclosed or to close loops open loops you know so you that you once you finish something you have like a brief very short sensation of like oh wow like i did it and then immediately it's just the catalog opens up all the stuff that you haven't done and that's the that's our our nature, and that's what um, social media. It's that's in large part. I think social media is in large part popular because it preys on that, and also people are craving community and connection. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of like a like a like a styrofoam version of that. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's a really big deal. The sooner and meditation, as far as tangible things that one can do sitting in silence with your eyes closed or open or whatever, and feeling the need to do a thing and witnessing that and, uh, being a, being comfortable enough in your own skin in that moment to, uh, sit it out, you know, and, and, and say, okay, I really want to go get a, a bagel. You know, I really want to go do anything else. Oh, I need to write this thing down. Oh, I need to, oh, I got to put that reminder down. Oh, I should be sending that post out. And you're going to say, nope, 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 nope. It's like you're literally training a dog. Like your, your consciousness is a dog and it needs to be trained. And most of us have dogs that just, you know, run around the house and pee on the couch and tear up your shoes. And you're like, oh, my fucking dog. You know, most of us, our minds are our fucking dog. You know, but if we spend time paying attention to the damn, you know, the, the, the dog, um, it starts to become your friend. I'm in the process. My, my, my dog sometimes gets the best of me. But I think that's a, as far as actionable things. I think they, that's what all of like the smart books and spiritual texts and whatnot have been saying forever um, is you need time in introspection and stillness uh, and quietness and, you know, really embracing that. But again culturally we don't embrace that so much um it's considered a form of weakness or you know like introversion and an introvert is like not nearly as desirable as an extrovert but i think that can change i think that that perhaps is in the process of changing we're gonna wrap up soon but i have someone that wrap I, can't, it up. I can't miss wrap so it up. one of the best pieces of advice you gave me when i asked kind of like one of the best pieces of advice you've given me is um when you're in your 20s, you're kind of in this state, and this ties to the conversation perfectly, you're in this state of just accumulating knowledge and just sucking it up as much as possible and experiencing and learning mm. and not trying to judge it too much. In a time where social media, like you said, and I'm in L.A., so I'm feeling it more than ever, everybody's trying to be like, this is my thing. This is what I do. This is what I stand for. This is the value I can bring you. Yeah. I know exactly who I am right now at age 24, and that's just not the case. And you would argue... It shouldn't be the case. When, oh. we're, when we're in our 20s or even younger, we're not supposed to have it figured out. We're supposed to be okay with unfolding and just following an itch and, ooh, I might do that. But for me, and I feel like it's super common, it's just kind of where we're at, is every next step, it's like, ooh, what will that mean for me? It's like, what will that mean for my ego, my ego I guess? Yeah. What, will that, what box would that put me under instead of just sending it? So what would you say to people in their 20s, someone who's 24, yeah. to like remind them, like, dude, just absorb and absorb when when we have the pressure of social media all these eyeballs are watching us that people before us maybe didn't have everybody who's ever met me is now following me like what's max going to do and, and maybe it's not that intense but that's kind of how it goes so yeah. there's all this pressure how do we balance well, that I mean, out one first of all i mean i train at gold's gym sometimes in venice and something that i notice it's with like, with that is that most people assume everybody is looking at them and then most people don't want to be seen looking at anybody else and so hmm. so therefore almost everybody's just wrapped up in this own this hmm. internal kind of game of like okay i want you to see me but i don't want you to see, see me. so it's like well that means no one's actually even looking at each other yeah <laughs> you know so everyone's just wrapped up in that. It's like no one really actually fucking cares. Like yeah. people are so consumed in their own stuff. So how do I remember or how does anybody remember listening that what they're doing right now doesn't have to be the thing like in this unfolding of becoming who you want to become? Yeah. 
Well, I, I mean, you. It's like my it, during the writing of the the book when I would go back in and revise certain parts. Um, I would see it, you know, during the edit, and I'd read it, and I'd be like, "Oh my god, it's terrible! This is like unaccept. This sentence is the worst sentence ever." You know, and then I'd go in and I'd revise it, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, it's fine. It's perfect. I did it. This is good. It's a good page." Um, and then I'd look at it. I'd give it back to the publishers. They they say, "Cool, sweet. We we put that in. It's 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 fine." And then I get it back, and I'm like, "Oh no, it was so much better before. <laughs> like, what have I done? I've ruined it." You know, I bounce back and forth, and the lesson that I got from that is that my mind in the present moment. Um, it's not always to be trusted. <laughs> um, I don't think that's any, might no, be, you know, a, you know, and so I think that, uh, one, taking myself less seriously, including like the validity of my own thoughts of the things that I think are so important. And, you know, without a doubt, I will likely come back in three months or three years or three days or whatever, you know, maybe just after a walk and look back and be like, oh, I didn't give a shit about that. You know, so if I can kind of put myself in that position, because I've seen that pattern happen enough times, what I thought was so important in the moment, all of a sudden I look back and I was like, oh no, actually it wasn't, you know, it wasn't that much. Mm. Um, the only thing that I think is truly is relevant in any instance is uh, connection, community, doing well by others, um, doing your damnedest to be uh, authentic. Fuck the rest. The rest comes together. You know, it doesn't need to be a fuck the rest, but the rest just comes together. Yeah. You know, if that's the point of the spear, the thin end, end of the wedge, um, then everything else follows. Let's wrap up. Give me the, uh, we might use this for a video, people. What? Give me, give me the brief synopsis of the book. Mm. What can people expect? Who's it for? Give me as much as you can on this book. It's fucking amazing, people. This I read book. It. It's super good. The Align Method. Yeah, tell me about it. Um... Maybe I should look that direction, right? Go over there. I'm going to go over here. That'd be better. So you talk, talk, talking out that. Talking out that. Huh. This is cool. Talking out that. This, this shift in the podcast is, helps me able to really m- embrace the direction I'm trying to go professionally with film and stuff. Oh, yeah. And so I, I think it, docs. I like that. Yeah. And I think there's no need to hide that. So we're mid video shoot right now. Yeah. Tell me what this book's about. Mm. Who's it for? Yeah. What what result are you trying to bring people? Yeah, so the book is for anyone that wants to the publishers had an interesting thing where they said that they they told me what the book was about and the book was about bringing j- more joy into your movement. You know, and so as opposed to movement being this thing that you're like martyring yourself for abs or biceps and you go out to the gym and you consolidate it into this 45-minute thing that you do as opposed to who you are. Um, it's for anybody that wants to get outside of that, that more normal box of fitness and make it be more something of, of actually something that you walk every moment throughout the day. You know, so bringing awareness into the way that you breathe, bringing awareness into the way that you use your eyes, the way that you look, um, and giving people the fundamental mechanics of how to move more effectively in literally 100% of your life. You know, so every moment throughout the day truly is an opportunity to cultivate your mind, cultivate your body, cultivate your movement, if you have the basic fundamental guidelines on how the heck to do that. So essentially what the book is, it's like a driver's manual on how to operate your body. And why is this so needed right now? 
so needed because the environment that we presently live in is structured to form us into a depressed position, depressed in the literal sense of the term, pulled down. Um, you know, so your, my chairs that I've sat in throughout my life have been forming me into this hyperkythotic rolled over kind of sad shrimp like spine forward head posture my neck juts out rolled forward shoulders collapsed arches in my feet now that's the structure it's the mold that we come from since we're little kids since we get put in strollers um, and so what we need is we need to be smarter than the modern mold in order to be able to take take back control of our physical bodies mm. and so what the book offers is people the the guidelines on how to start taking back control of your body in an imbalanced structural mold hmm. what is movement in the broader sense i, I want to hit that point one more time like your your term of movement and when people hear movement they think of yeah go move your body but what is movement movement is how you express yourself in any moment not just to other people but to yourself as well so every step that you're taking, the quality of your breath, the way that your shoulder carriage moves, the way that your arms swing, the way that your hips swing, all of that tells everyone around you, including yourself, um, all the information they need to know about you. Mm. And we kind of have a blinder on that because most of the modern world is kind of turned into just like talking faces. You know, so our body, we kind of forget about the body. We disconnect from the body and kind of let that just be. And then we just focus on just like mouths moving and these blank stares. That's not everybody. But um, it's something that I'm sick of. You know, I'm, I'm tired of having disembodied conversations. And I find I can connect to people in a really beautiful way through taking a walk with them, um, through dance, through play, through working out together, through exercise, through freaking climbing a tree, um, you know, so we can we can use or leverage our bodies and our movement as a means of creating a greater connection with ourselves and the world around us. Amazing. Last one, and then I swear I'm done. What's yeah. a piece of advice for your 24-year-old self? Mm. Assuming you would change nothing, assuming life happened perfectly, um, but just a yeah, and, and not for Max, for Aaron. Mm hmm. Twenty-four year old self, I gotta like go like meet Aaron at twenty-four. Yeah, you gotta say, you hey, gotta brief hey, sec with hey, him. Hey, dude, I would say we were hanging out. We're out. We're hiking in the in the mountains in the Colorado mountains because that's where Aaron was living. Um. I think I think I'd probably just listen to him. I don't really think I'd have too much advice for for a 24-year-old Aaron. Really? Yeah, I think I'd just listen to him. Give him a hug? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I just 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 hear him and and um yeah. And be 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 present with 24-year-old Aaron and kind of like uh let him feel that. Mm. It's a great answer, man. Mm. Appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> That was fucking awesome. <laughs> Thanks for doing it, dude. All right. I appreciate we it. Out. Wrap this bitch up.
Thanks for listening, everybody. If you made it to the end of the podcast, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for lending your ear in a an environment and a, and a platform that is pretty crowded. There's a lot of podcasts you could be listening to. So if you're listening to mine, if you're listening to Looking Up, I truly appreciate you. Uh, I'm excited to continue to bring these high-level conversations out. I'm learning a lot, and I just am so grateful for all the support so far. Thank you for the people leaving reviews on Apple iTunes. Thank you to the people sharing screenshots to Instagram. Uh, that helps the, the podcast grow more than you know. I appreciate you guys. I'm going to link to Aaron's book, The Align Method, in the show notes. Highly recommend you check it out. And I'm excited for more episodes to come, people. we got some good stuff coming. Stay tuned. See you soon. Bye-bye.